Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. Everybody doing well this morning? Good, good, good. I want to welcome you who are here in this room and everybody watching online as well. So let me begin with this. You know, one of the biggest ironies of pain and suffering is that it's really the shortest route to God. And when the bottom drops out and things suddenly in a moment, in a phone call go wrong, for everybody, believers, unbelievers, agnostics, atheists, everybody, suddenly there's a moment in which it's look up. I mean, it really is the shortest route to God. There's a famous quote by C.S. Lewis where he said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And everyone listening to this message, we've all had through pain, God shouted us. Or at least that's what it feels like. Because no matter what we're doing or what we believe, suddenly there's, there's this sense in which we look up and we ask the question, why? And why we want to know why is because it's in you and me to want to make sense out of things. And knowing why won't make the pain go away. But if we can begin to connect the dots in, in our lives and in our world so that things make sense, then we feel like, well, maybe I can, you know, sort of endure the pain, the loss, the, the suffering better. And so we look up and then we look down and then we ask the question, why? We say, why God? Why me? Why him? I mean, she's so young. Like, why now? Why this? Why would you let this happen again? All the different why questions come flooding in. And, and what's behind the why questions is this. There has to be an explanation, a purpose in my pain. I've, I've got to make sense out of this. Help me to, to make sense out of my suffering. I've got to see that this is leading to something good. And so then we begin to look at our lives to try and piece things together. Like, you know, maybe this happened because two years ago I did this. Or if I had just been a, a better parent or, or a better husband or a better wife or if my parents hadn't, you know, somehow I've got to connect the dots. Because if I can understand why, that there's some bigger picture, some greater good, then maybe I can endure it. But if I look up and, and then I look down and it all just seems to be random, no explanation, no purpose, then there goes my faith, my confidence in God, my ability to pray. And behind the why questions, there's something inside, I think, of all of us that says, even though answering the why question, it, it won't diminish the pain, it won't make the pain go away, but somehow I can endure it if there's a context for this pain that I'm going through. And let me illustrate this. You, you've kind of experienced this at a different level. Anytime you have elective pain, and we've all had situations where we elect for pain. Like we decide that we're gonna choose to do something painful because there's some greater good. There's something at the other end of the process that we think will make our life better. 
So for example, every time you see somebody who has something unusual pierced, like not their ears, but some other unusual piercing, don't you think, gee, that must have hurt, right? I guess that's cool, but give me a minute, because my first thought is there's cartilage there. That must have hurt. And then you realize, you know what? They knew going in that it was going to hurt. It wasn't like a shocker. Gee, that hurt when you drove that thing through my whatever, right? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a shocker. It wasn't a surprise, right? And, and don't get me wrong here. I am not against piercings, okay? Not really about that. My, my point is this. My point is if we think there's something good at the other side, Something good to be accomplished through going through the pain. It's amazing the pain will endure to get to that greater good. If you're a tattoo person, you understand something about that, okay? I'm not a tat guy, but I've heard that tattooing can be pretty painful. But people consider the pain of going through that tattoo work to be worth the cool artwork on the other end of it. And if that's your thing, I'm, I'm good with that. I used to hurt myself on a regular basis in the gym for the greater good, right? And all of us, to some extent, we've had some elective pain. We chose it because there was some good at the other end of the process that made sense to us. It made sense to us. That's how we're wired. So it shouldn't surprise us that when the legs get kicked out from underneath us financially or something happens to one of our children or, or our health or our career and we didn't elect it, our first inclination is what? It's to say, I, I got to make sense of this. I mean, there needs to be an explanation. There needs to be a purpose. And immediately, we look to the one who could provide some kind of knowledge, some kind of definition, who could create some kind of context for our pain, God. But if we look to God, we don't hear or see anything, then we look back into our own lives, and we say things like, well, what did I do to cause this? Like, is there something that, 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 that I did or my husband did like, I need an explanation. I need a purpose here. And let me just tell you, that is totally natural. Okay, all of us do it to some extent. Jesus did it to some extent. On the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But Jesus, you already explained it. Well, I know I explained it, but in the midst of it, I need to know that there's a greater good because all I feel right now is abandonment. So in his pain, he cried out to God. And that's in you and it's in me. But if you just look to the context of your itty-bitty world, let me tell you, the answer is not there. And yet everybody I've ever talked through, to and, and counseled and, and met with who's gone through some kind of tremendous loss, they always want me to help them connect the dots within the context of their life. And unfortunately, I think as Christians, we go down some strange roads sometimes. And I'm not saying I wouldn't do this. I'm not saying they're bad necessarily. They're just insufficient. You know, we say things like, you know, when she was dying in the hospital and this nurse came in and this nurse just felt like there was something different about our family. So maybe the reason she died was for us to reach this nurse. You know, I understand why we say things like that, but it's not a fully sufficient answer. And so today, what I want to do is I want to connect the dots for all of us, not because I'm so smart, but because when God had some people pen his word, he connected the dots for us. So I'm going to give you an explanation. And this answer to the question why, let me just tell you, it's not going to make the pain go away. But it will give you the foundation to get through it. Because we have to know that there's some context, that it's not just random. 
that it's not because God was sitting in the other room reading a magazine while we're over here going through this pain and, and that he either didn't know about it or, or he knew about it and, and didn't care. But before I get into Romans here, before I get into this passage, let me give you two quick disclaimers. First of all, this is not an emotionally satisfying answer. It's not like you're going to say, well, Brian, after that sermon, man, I feel so much better about the fact that I haven't had a job in six months. It's not, I feel better. Remember, when you elect to have something pierced, knowing there's something good on the other end, doesn't diminish the pain in the moment. It just gets you through it. The same is true of this answer. And second, this is an explanation for Christians. Okay, if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm so glad that you're here. And I hope that some of what I say will resonate with you. But I've got to be completely honest. I can't really speak intelligently into your pain and suffering because I don't know that there is much hope outside of what I'm sharing. Okay, because outside of the context of a God who loves you, and a God who has promised to redeem and one day rid the world of suffering, life is just like 100% random. There are no promises. There are no guarantees, no necessarily happy endings. And I know people survive and get through it. I just don't know how to talk to somebody who's gone through tremendous suffering and pain and loss outside of the context of what I'm giving you right here. And I will say this, the very God that you may be angry at for what he allowed to happen in your life, He's given us all three big dots, and he's connected them for us. See, they're not the little dots of your little life. They're the big dots of a God who controls eternity. And so this morning, we're going to be in the book of Romans, where the apostle Paul gives us the context for all of our suffering. He gives us three big dots, and he connects them for us. The three big dots are in the beginning, in the meantime, and in the end. Okay, would you say those with me? Let's go through these. In the beginning, in the meantime, and in the end. All right. Let's start in Romans 8, verse 18. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings. Okay, here's a guy who was no stranger to suffering. If you don't know about Paul, Paul had been beaten He'd been stoned, left for dead, shipwrecked, lost his money, lost his career, just lost everything. And he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So suddenly Paul pulls us out of our present context and says, oh yeah, there's something in the future. There's something in the end. There's in the beginning, in the meantime, and in the end. Now we typically think, but Paul, I want to talk about right now. And Paul says, right now is bad. It's bad. But what's happening now is nothing compared to the end. So he pulls us out of our current context of suffering. Verse 19, he says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Okay, again, looking to the future. Now, when he says sons of God to be revealed, Paul then takes us from in the end all the way back to in the beginning, and he begins to walk us through these three big dots. Verse 20, here's the first dot. For the creation, okay, back in the beginning. For the creation was subjected to frustration. That word frustration, it carries the meaning of depravity or perversion even. 
For the creation, the heavens, earth, everything that's been made, people, the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. So Paul says, in the beginning, sin entered the world and God judged the whole world. Creation, people, everything, and death followed sin. So the whole world has been cursed and judged and sin has reigned ever since. That's the first big done. He goes on. He says, in hope that the creation itself will be, there's the future, will be liberated from its bondage to decay. Do you know why your back aches when you get up in the morning if you're over 40? It's very simple. It's because you're in bondage to decay. Do you know why you can't see anymore after 40? Okay, you're in bondage to decay. You thought, no, it's because I'm related to my dad and he was like Mr. Magoo, okay? He was in bondage to decay too. All of us, newsflash, are in bondage to decay. We think, God, what did I do to cause this? And he's like, um, you were born? Oh, it's, it's not like A plus B? Not necessarily. You're in bondage to decay. The whole world is cursed. And brought, Paul says, <laughs> into this glorious freedom of the children of God. That's one day. We're going to be brought into this glorious freedom of the children of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until this present time. Okay, so now where are we going? We're going to in the meantime. Paul says, let me give you your history. Whole world is broken. So what happened to your child or your health, your career, it's just a manifestation of a much bigger thing that's been going on since sin entered the world and death reigned and all creation has been groaning under the burden ever since. That's why things just don't work out sometimes. It's why you wanted to have a bunch of kids and you have none. It's why you wanted your kids to be healthy and they're not necessarily healthy. It's why you pointed them in this direction and your kids went in that direction. And as parents, we say, what did I do wrong as a parent? I don't know. I'm not even sure that's worth exploring. Because ever since the beginning of time, there has been decay and tension and a downward spiral. And none of us are exempt. None of us are exempt. Hip, hip, hooray, right? I can tell by your faces. Okay, let's move on. So that, that, that's in the beginning. Now let's get to the meantime, verse 23. All right, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our what? Bodies. Okay, he's saying when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And the Spirit saved your soul, and he's working on your heart, but he didn't save your body, at least not yet. You say, why am I sick? Because you were born, and your body is still subject to decay, so you'll still feel the effects of sin in your body. Now, Paul gives us a bit of good news here in verse 24. For in this hope, we were saved. What hope? 
Well, that's the hope of that future adoption, okay? It'll transform our physical bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. I mean, who hopes for what he already has? He's saying, look, the reason it's not fulfilled and things don't get better and everybody doesn't necessarily get healed is because it's something we're hoping for. If it all worked out, there would be no hope. In the beginning, sin entered. In the meantime, we have hope. Verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So in the meantime, we don't lose hope. We wait for it. We wait for that future patiently. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You have weaknesses. So if you feel weak, you know what you should say? You should say, I'm normal. I'm struggling. I'm feeling the weight of this world. Sin is real. God predicted it. And the way to sort through it is to take our eyes off of this and look at the three big dots in the beginning, in the meantime, and in the end. And here's what happens. The Spirit, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Ever been there? Raise your hand if you've ever been there. Like you don't even know how to pray. Wow, like I have. A situation so bad, so bleak, like you hit your knees and, and, and nothing comes out. You're not even sure you, you, you believe. You've like asked God for this 40, 60, 80 times. And you're thinking, I don't even know why I'm praying for him to be healed. Like if you cared, he wouldn't have been sick in the first place. I don't even know how to pray or even think about this. And God says, I'm with you. I get it. You're weak. You're weak. Let me help you in your weakness. Listen to this next promise. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Boy, that should be so, so comforting. Like God recognizes that at times life is so low, you can't even utter a word. All you can do is moan or groan or cry. And God says, I feel you. I feel your pain. I know, I see this big, dark, decaying world, and every once in a while it reaches up and grabs you. And when it does, here's what I want you to know. You may not have much faith in me, but I am praying for you. Like I may seem a thousand miles away, but I am living in you, and I understand your weakness. And maybe ultimately it's not even your fault. Like you're just a victim of this world, of the decay, or of another person. Verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And now Paul begins moving us from in the meantime to in the end. And we know that in all things, God works. In death, he works. In suffering, he works. In joy, he works. In pain, he works. When things work out the way you planned, God works. When things don't work out the way you planned, God works. How does he work? He works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Wait, you you mean I could be somebody who is loved by God? 
Somebody who's called to a specific purpose in my life can be hell sideways. Those two things can go together. God says, oh yeah, because you, my beloved child, were born into a world that since the beginning has been cursed. So in the meantime, you're going to be weak. You're gonna be weak, but I'll be there for you. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son and that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. That means to be made right with God. And those he justified, look at this, we're going to the future. He also glorified. Do you see the unbroken chain here, the promise of salvation? There's no breaking it. From the beginning, he knew and he called and he justified and he will glorify. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God says, by the way, there's a very significant event that happened between in the beginning and in the meantime. It's the stake I drove in the ground when I sent my son Jesus to die for you. To answer the question once and for all, do I care about you? Do I love you? Can I identify with your pain and suffering? The answer is, oh yes, I care. But to see that, you've got to pull out of this and look to that. When my youngest son, Nathan, was, was little, he had continual problems with his ears. It actually translated into seven different surgeries in the first seven years of his life. That's rough on a little guy. It was rough on his parents. I mean, a little guy doesn't understand why some strangers had to lay him on a cart and then wheel him through these ominous doors away from his parents to endure a pain that'll lead to greater good. And as he got older and as he could understand more and more and more, we could tell he was getting continually more frustrated, more upset, more angry about the fact that he had to go through surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery. And if Nate had said to me, Dad, why does this keep happening to me? I mean, I could have tried to connect the little dots in his life. Well, you know, son, genetically, your, your ears are just... Or, well, if, if we'd used the different earplugs, maybe that one time you were in the swimming pool. But you know what? It didn't matter why. It didn't matter why. What mattered was in the meantime. I mean, the explanation to that is, is interesting and all. But in, in the meantime, what do you do? Like he was hurting emotionally. So in the meantime, I did what our Heavenly Father does for us. I drew close to him. I empathized with him. I wept over him as they carted him away back for surgery. I wished I could have taken his place. And, and I did something else that God does for us. I prayed. I interceded for him the whole time he was in surgery. Like I couldn't take the pain away. I couldn't take his place, but I wanted to be as physically and emotionally and spiritually close to him as I possibly could be. And hear me on this. It was pain that I shouldn't take away. It was pain that makes things better in the future. But the future doesn't matter, and, and why it happened doesn't matter. What matters is right now, in the meantime. So again, let me tell you, this is not an emotionally satisfying answer necessarily. 
It's not like, gosh, I feel so much better about my pain, my, my loss, my tragedy. Well, there's no answer to that. But it is God's way of saying, there's a purpose. I'm in control, and I'm with you. Could God end all pain and suffering? Sure, sure he could, right now. Jesus proved that. When he walked this earth, he, he made a lame man walk, a blind man see, a dead man come back out of the grave. He showed us he can do it. And then he said, now that you know I can, that's the future, okay? It's not for right now. In the meantime, I'm with you. Will God end all pain and suffering one day? Absolutely. That's the future adoption. When sin, when sorrow, when death are all taken away, that's what we look to. And it's why some people can say, you know, it's painful and the answer doesn't take the pain away. But I understand it's not about my little dots. It's about God and his sovereignty. So I've lost my son. I've lost my daughter. But I am confident I'm going to see them again. Where do they get that confidence? Not by connecting the dots of their life circumstances together. It's by looking up. See, they understand that in the beginning, sin entered and cursed the world. In the meantime, God is with us. And in the future, in the end, all things will be made right and new. And that is answer enough to get us through. And God doesn't pull any punches when it comes to sin. The consequences of sin, he allows them to reign here on earth. He allows the consequences of sin to reign. But in the meantime, he's with you. God is with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know the day will come when I'll be scrambling around in my own life to remember these truths because I know they slip away from us. You know they slip away from us. That's why you said we're weak. That's why you have to intercede for us in our weakness. But right now, Father, for the man or woman who is sitting here today and they're going, I'm in it. This isn't theory. This isn't one day, someday. This is today. This is my life, my health, my family, my, my career. Whatever it is, would you please, 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 God, in their pain, through your spirit who lives in them, assure them of your presence, your love, your care, your concern, that you're not a distant God. You're not ambivalent. You are right there beside them. Father, help us to see these things within the context in which it really is. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this promise. Thank you that we can live every day knowing that you really do have the whole world in your hands. And even though sin reigns supreme right now, even that is within the context of your sovereignty. And one day when you choose you will bring all of this to an end, all of that. So to the best of our ability, through the power of your spirit, we're going to lean hard in that direction in the meantime. It's in Jesus' name we pray.